0: Now, last thing before we jump into the message, you need to know that our kids and students, they, they've gone ahead already. They, as well, are trying to pay attention to what God is saying to them and respond with obedience. And uh, both our kids and our students have had commitment opportunities earlier in the week. And we've got some stories, we've got some pictures, and we'll get a snapshot of what that was all about. Take a look at this. I wrote down to read my kid's Bible every night and to bring an offering because he wants you to commit to him and it's something that I love to do and I do it every single time I come to church and every single night I read my Bible. I wrote that I wanted to learn more about the Bible and God. I think I would actually want to work here at a church in the future so I can help more kids learn about God and Jesus. I will to tell my friends about Jesus, because he's so awesome. What I wrote on the commitment card was serving mainly for kids and production team, because I want to do something to help this church to spread the word of Jesus and to give kids a great time on Sunday. I'm in it for good by being generous with my money and helping others out. I wrote it down because it should always help others and be in it for good. Unstoppable good for me means serving other people and showing up for them whenever they need me. What the unstoppable good means to me is that it means I'm taking my next big step to give more and serve more. I'm in it for good for serving. I'm for the for sharing my toys. I'm holding a little offering bucket where I fill up with money and then I put it in the offering bucket for all of the people that don't have homes and people that would like to have homes and stuff. We can give people money and then we can serve people food that don't ever have food. What Unstoppable Good means to me is not just doing good in people around you, it's doing good for your community. And that means not just to follow Jesus, but to help others follow him too. I wrote that every time I go to church, I am to give offering. I just want to like give my money to the people who need it and the camps who want to like do more stuff so that they have the experience to go to camp just like us. My unstoppable good commitment means to me like that I get to help out a lot of kids and I get to help out this church. I also put on my card to donate and I know there's a lot of kids that are less fortunate than me that need some clothes and I definitely want, I definitely need to like do that more and
1: I'm going to try and do that.
0: I'm in it for good. 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 I'm in it for good.
1: Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, everybody, welcome at all of our campuses and wherever you are online, wherever you are, really, really glad you're here. Welcome. That that video is awesome because our kids are awesome. You know, the Bible says, like, what is it? A child will lead them. And I love the open hearts and just the tender spirit of unadulterated, if you will, praise and readiness. And and uh, that's a, a little preview of what I think God's going to do in all of us, even uh, in just a few minutes here together. Because today is commitment uh, weekend, so if you're just joining us, we're really, really glad you're here. You're welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, today is kind of uh, a test, if you will. I mean, there's there, it's kind of a test, which reminds me of a story. Um... There was a college student, he was, uh, he was taking an ornithology class. You all know what that is? You know what ornithology is? It's the study of birds. Make note of that. Anyway, so he's, he's studying this thing. He's got a big exam coming up. He's studying really, really hard. He's studying everything he needs to know about birds. He comes in for the final exam. And uh, instead of the professor handing out like a regular test and something to write on, uh, all, all he does is he says, everybody sit down. And he puts a picture up on the screen, and it's a picture of 25 birds, but all you can see is their feet. Hands him a blank piece of paper. And he says, uh, he says all right, everyone, write your name, number from 1 to 25, and identify all the birds. That's your exam. This, this student is enraged. He's like, this is, this is not fair. This is not what you taught. This is not what we studied for. I'm not taking that test. And the professor says, well, if you don't want to take the test then I guess I'm just going to have to flunk you. You'll just fail the course. And he says, oh, he's just enraged. He says, well, then you're just going to have to flunk me, he says. And he starts to walk out the door. And the professor says, wait a second, what is your name? And the student says, you tell me, professor. You tell me. (laughs) Did Did you get a look at the foot? Carla's not going to be happy that I didn't wear any socks to church today. But it's all part of the setup, you know. I don't know how that student did on the test. I, I know this. I know that we do have a bit of a test. And, and who we truly are is often revealed at some critical moments in our life. Isn't it true? It's the commitments we make very often that end up shaping us in life. In fact, one person says it this way. Nothing will shape your life more than the commitments you make. It reveals a lot of who we are, and our relationship with God is revealed by our commitments. It reveals the degree to which, as we've talked about each week now over the last few weeks, our commitments as we're tested in them, it reveals the degree to which we're ready to trust God. We talked about that one week. And the degree to which we're ready to sacrifice for God. Regardless of what we say, it's certain commitments and tests that show whether we're ready to truly surrender to God and put him first as our priority, as we've talked about each week. So much rides on our commitment. So every, every single person who looks at Mountain as your place, your church, whether you're an official member or not, our goal is has been from the beginning that man, if we could just pray in such a way that 100% of us would be willing to really talk to God and engage with God and just say, God, what are you leading me to do? That we would ask God to do something in us and we know God will do something big through us. So, so this card, you can see this card. You want to grab it right there. It's probably right in front of you or on your seat or I don't know where they are if, at home. If you are online, there's a QR code on your screen or a text and you will, we'll give you the link immediately if you just text that number. But that, that commitment card becomes, you can just hold on to it as we, as we work through the next few thoughts here because it's going to demonstrate our commitment. And it's going to demonstrate so much of who we are and where we are, in fact, with God. And if you're a guest, maybe it's your very first time to Mountain, you picked an awesome time to be here because you're going to see a lot about who we are, what we really care about, how seriously we take Jesus, how seriously we take this mission, and how proud we are that we get to be part of something really awesome that's going on in our community through us. So I'm really glad you're here. If you're new, just hang tight and, and enjoy the ride. Um, there, there are certain kinds of things. We've talked about these tests and how they shape us, but you know what? They also shape the future don't they like certain commitments we make have a way of shaping not only our own future but like think of the trajectory in of so many things in life that are completely changed because people made commitments at a certain time and place there's a scene in that movie national treasure you guys like that 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 series it's like I don't know how many, you know, national treasure. Anyway, Nicolas Cage, right? Nicolas Cage, he plays the character of uh, Benjamin Gates. He sneaks into this big wig party, and they're all there. It's, It's celebrating something about the Declaration of Independence. And he's there, and kind of randomly, they call on him to make a toast. And without missing a beat, he grabs his glass, and he says, Here's to high treason. That's what these men were committing when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Had we lost the war, which seemed likely at the time, they would have been hanged, beheaded, drawn and quartered. And my personal favorite, they would have had their entrails cut out and burned. So here's, here's to the men who did what, they, what was considered wrong in order to accomplish what they knew to be right. <laughs> And when you look back on that moment in history, kind of through that lens, it's like, oh, that's right. We kind of think of it as just a, you know, an easy thing, but at that time, I mean, just think how different it would have been had they not done that hard thing, had they not committed, had they faltered in their courage, had they, had they somehow not followed through on a commitment to fight for independence. I mean, think how many things would be different. For one, we'd be, we'd be right driving on the other side of the road and saying words like schedule and having tea at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And a few other things would be different as well, wouldn't they? And that defining moment not only displayed their ultimate commitments, it, it changed the future. And in each of our lives, there are those moments where we're invited into something like that. Usually you only get a few of them, where you get to be part of something that literally changes the future. And we're here today... Because before us have gone 198 years of faithful people who made radical, what seemed crazy at the time, against all odds, kinds of commitments. But God made a way and saw it through, and we're here today because of it, because this church has that kind of track record. Right and I like to imagine sometimes, like, think about, like those very first few mountain people. Like the ones that gathered in that little tiny log cabin, just a handful of Jesus followers, could they have imagined if you told them what would come, do you think they ever would be like, oh yeah, I see all that? Or or what would they have said? You know, they they would have looked ahead. Could they even imagine that they would grow so fast that they would need to build a little white church building and put it on the hill over here on Mountain Road? Or or would they have imagined that hundreds would come in and they needed to build that thing called Walker Chapel or that eventually they'd build that thing called Cook Auditorium And, and more and more people would come and the influence would grow. Do you think they could have envisioned all of that? Do you think they could have pictured in their wildest dreams something like the New Life Center that, that just housed you know, thousands of people and we've had you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of baptisms in that place. Could they have pictured that in that moment when they were just trying to make a commitment to something? Could they have looked ahead and pictured the Bel Air campus or the Edgewood campus or the epicenter? Could they have pictured what, what God has done in fact, through the Abingdon campus and the Aberdeen campus and the online campus and, and, and the services that we provide, if in their wildest dreams, if they had looked ahead, could they ever have imagined anything like, like Luke Erickson's hair? Could they have pictured that? No, they could not have pictured any of it. All they knew, all they knew is that in that moment they were making a commitment and commitments shape us, and they also shape the future. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way, each way along the way. and here we are standing on the shoulders of all those faithful people, just ordinary folk, raising a glass to them. What those folk in that log cabin did mattered. mattered a lot even if they couldn't see it fully. And what happened at each stage along the way mattered. And what we do here today matters. The faithful followers of Jesus had a legacy that they gave us, and we're going to continue that legacy, you guys, and it's exciting because thousands have come to know Jesus, but there's thousands and thousands and thousands more who don't know Jesus, who are within the reach of the impact of this church. And that's why, we, that's why we have this card in our hand. God's doing a beautiful thing. And as we stand here poised on the edge of tomorrow, I'm excited to be part of it, and I hope you are too. Now, let's be honest. One of the things that's important for a church, especially an old church. You know, churches are famous for looking back. And I think a lot of us are in our lives. One of the reasons we don't move ahead is we hold on to the stuff that we need to get rid of and we don't embrace the things we need to hold on to. And, and I think an old church especially has to be really clear about what this is about as we celebrate, you know, what's going on all around us. There's a passage in Amos chapter 5, verse 4 and 6. It says, uh, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Amos to his people, and he says, Seek me and live. I want you to to be hungry for me. Do do not seek, say the word, Bethel, and do not go to Gilgal. You're less confident on that one. It's not Gilgan, it's Gilgal. And do not journey to Beersheba. Seek the Lord and live. What in the world this is sounds confusing. Let me unpack it for us just a little bit. Israel had a great history and these are the great places of their history. These are places where they had encountered God in a perfect and beautiful way. Bethel. Don't seek Bethel. What's it mean? Bethel is where Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, where he had this life-changing dream. He was scared and running for his life because he'd cheated his brother out of the, uh, the birthright, and he's running for his life, and he collapses by the side of the road, and he falls asleep, and he has a dream, and in the dream, he sees this stairway to heaven, and Led Zeppelin showed up and wrote a song, and then he sees God, and God says, I'm gonna bless you, and I'm gonna bless all the peoples of the world through you. I'm not done with you, Jacob. I've got a future and a bright thing for you, and, and Jacob wakes up from that dream. He's a changed man. He sees the whole world differently, and he feels graced, and he says, Man, God was in this place, and I was right there, and I'm feeling it. I'm going to be different, and he calls that place Bethel, which means the house of God. And he says, I make a vow. He says, everything God ever gives me, I'm going to give you back a tenth, God. He makes a promise of a lifelong tithe because he had met God, and the sacrifice of a giving heart came out of it. That's his Bethel, and we all have Bethel moments. I hope you have a Bethel moment. I hope you've had them in this church in recent times where where you had an encounter with God, where you sent prayers to God and he sent stuff back down into your life. and Maybe you made a financial commitment to God or a tithe promise just like Jacob did. And Gilgal, what's Gilgal? Well, God had brought the children of Israel to the edge of the promised land, but the Jordan River stood between them, and then God parted the water. Remember, they went through on dry ground again, and they got over to the... After years and years and years of waiting, God finally delivered them. They were so stuck in the wilderness, and God took them out of that dry place. And you know where they landed when they got across the river and where they camped that first night? Gilgal, And Gilgal is a place in our life where we've been stuck. Where God, in his mercy and his grace, pulled us out and put us on solid ground and gave us a place to live in a promised land. And Beersheba, that's the place, that's the place where one time Abraham made a treaty with a guy named Ahimelech and it was such an important thing that God did when God came through that Abraham's son Isaac recognized it as a big God moment and he dug a well and he built an altar there and we have Beersheba moments too, don't we? Moments where we have big God moments and we say, I need to remember this. When you got baptized, when your kid got baptized, when, when the spirit moved in your heart or you made a commitment to something, maybe it was a past initiative or campaign and you grew through that and it was important in your life. Bethel, Gilgal, Beersheba, these are the places where, if I think about it, all of us have probably something in our past where we connected with God and God is saying, that's great, that's awesome, that's wonderful, don't look for me there anymore because I'm moving ahead and I want you to seek me right here, right now. God is the great I am. He's not the I was. So an old church and old people and people like us that always want to look back and coast and rest on what was need to remember God is saying, seek me and live unstoppable good. This and what you write on your card is your way to seek God now. And it's not about what's happened in the past. It's not about what's happened in anyone else's life. It's a way just to say, I'm ready, God, for what you have for me next. If you keep looking for for what God did last, you will miss what God has for you next. And so every one of us is invited. Not to say, oh, I, I, I I can't do anything for God. My past is, you know, maybe eliminates me from any connection to God. Or maybe, oh, all my great God moments are in the past. Both of those things, God says, no. Seek me and live in this moment. And be able to say, I'm in it for good. I think that's why Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, you know, there comes a time when you've just got to forget the past and strain forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Friends, this is about straining forward in our faith and pressing on because what we're doing matters. And one of the things that drives me nuts about the Vikings this year, my Minnesota Vikings, Oy, let me tell you, we're winning some games, but we're playing what's almost like a prevent defense, and it drives me crazy. You know what a prevent defense is in sports like basketball or football or anything? Prevent defense is where you are just kind of trying not to lose. You just try to, they're going to score, but you just try not to lose. So you play play a weird defensive game. You know what I want to see? I want to see offense. I want to see us go out there and kick some rear. I want to see us score some points. I want to see not playing not to lose. I want to see playing to win. That's just what I like when it comes to sports. And you know what I think our mission it's so important that I think God wants to see churches that aren't playing prevent, defense, that we're ready to strain forward, that we're ready to press on, that this isn't a casual add-on to our lives, but it's central because Christ is our all in all, and we're ready to go all in for he who went all in for us. Like This is a, this is a mission. We live in the most unchurched part of the country, you guys. 87% of our state is unchurched, no relationship to Jesus Christ The fastest-growing religious group around us is the nuns, people who say, I have zero affiliation or interest in Jesus Christ. 87% of our county has no relationship with Christ. Think about that. The most unchurched county in the state of Maryland. Kids are struggling. Adults are struggling. People are languishing. Churches are closing. 5,000 churches will close their doors this year. Guys, this is not a time for business as usual. It's a time to strain forward and press on. It's a time to not play prevent defense. It's a time to say, we've got to do something that will let the church be what Jesus said it would be when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that means we need to do some unstoppable good. And that's the only reason we've gone to all these All these gyrations to have all these services and all these opportunities just to let anyone who will have ears to hear to listen to say, I have a chance to be part of something historic like that. And that's why we're doing this. And that's why that number that you write on that card really matters. And I hope you make the kind of commitment today that will reflect the importance and the urgency of what we're doing here and show. That you're ready for the test, that you're ready to re- have it reflect something important, what your readiness to grow, your trust in God, and the urgency of the mission. 1519 was the when that guy, the explorer from Spain, Cortez, took a big old entourage to Mexico. He had about uh, 11 ships and 13 horses, 110 sailors, and 53 soldiers. The indigenous population when he landed was about 5 million. So from a purely, I don't know, numbers, mathematical standpoint, the odds were stacked against him. It didn't add up by a ratio of about 7,500 to 1. Previous expeditions had all failed to even establish a settlement there and yet Cortez went on, if you can get over the moment of all the ugly imperialism for just a moment, he went on to conquer a huge chunk of the South American continent. And the story of what he did when he landed is epic and maybe you know it. Do You know what he did? He turned his mission from a casual exploration to A failure is not an option kind of moment, an all-or-nothing commitment with one command. And you know what the command was? Cortez hollers out, burn the ships. They land, they go ashore, burn the ships. And if you're in that crew and you're looking back out in the ocean and now you see the vessel that got you there going up in flames and sinking into the water, I think that's got to be a pretty eye-opening moment, wouldn't you say? I think you knew at that moment failure was not an option and that we've got to do this. You know, a lot of people go to plan B when plan A gets hard. That's one of the reasons our lives are sort of plan B lives. So one of the reasons a lot of people experience plan B Christianity because sometimes it gets a little, there's a challenge there's a difficulty, there's a hurdle, there's an ask, there's, a, there's something big. And we mistakenly think that softer, easier things will lead to greater happiness. But it's amazing what happens when you stick to plan A when God's behind plan A. And the church and what we do for good is God's plan A. And it doesn't happen without 100% commitment, a kind of burn the ships mentality. And when the church has been at its best historically, it's when ordinary people like us step up and say, okay, I'm in it for good. I'll burn the ships. I'm not going to just sort of look for an easier plan B. I think of Elijah in the Old Testament. You know that name Elijah? Let's say, let's say the name. Put the name Elijah on there. Everybody say Elijah. There's a J in there. His name's Elijah. He was a prophet. And um, he did some amazing stuff. This is a guy, I mean, we could tell stories about Elijah all day. He's the guy that, that's up on the mountain with the prophets of Baal. There's like 400 of them. And he challenges them to a duel of the gods. He says, Yeah, we'll show you who the real God is. He says, We'll see which God can light the fire of the altar, right? And they agreed. And the prophets of Baal pranced and danced and jumped all around. And they couldn't get anything started. And they just you know, and finally Elijah says, Are you done? and then he pours about a 1,000 gallons of water on his altar and says, God, I just I want them to see how great you are and I want them to turn their hearts to you, do something great, God, and God sends fire. Elijah cared about God's name. He cared about the people and God honored that kind of commitment out of him and that was Elijah. Well, first Kings 19, uh, right after he heard from God, you know, not in the earthquake or the wind or the fire, but uh, in a still small voice, he eventually says uh, to the Lord, my time's up. i got to pass the baton. God, I know you still want to bless people. I know you still want to do great things, but it's not going to be through me. I'm done. And God says, you're right. I've got a guy. His name is Elisha. Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. And he's going to take up the mantle. And so Elijah takes this very serious responsibility of being God's agent to the world and doing all these great things in the name of God so God's name could be lifted up and God's people could turn their hearts back to him. And he goes to Elisha, he takes off his coat and he puts it on Elisha and he says, it's you, it's commitment time. It's go time, let's go. And I think it's interesting. When I read the passage, it seems like Elisha doesn't quite grasp the, the, the gravity of the situation, how important it is. Because he says, I, 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 okay, all right, well, right, I'm in. I, but I've got to go kiss my daddy and my mama and um, take care of a few things, tidy up a few things around the house, and I'll catch up to you. I'll, 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 I'll come along eventually. I can picture Elijah just staring at him. And he, and he says in the text, he just says, I think you better think about this. What you're being asked to do is super important. I think you better think about this. And friends, that's how, if I could just share my heart with you, it would be like that's how I would hope every single person in the hearing of my voice. That you just hear the Holy Spirit saying, I hope you think about this. And sense the gravity of the situation. And don't don't say, well, yeah, I'm going to do something here when I take care of some other things. and I'm going to take care of this and that and the other. And if there's some leftovers, I'll give it to God. I hope you don't do that. And you can hear God saying, It's you, it's now, it's commitment time. And what I love is that that's not the end of the story for Elisha. Verse 21 says, He returned to his oxen and immediately he slaughtered them. He was a farmer and he slaughtered his oxen. And then he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. And he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then he left. He went all in with Elijah. You talk about commitment. Turned his, turned his plowing equipment to kindling and then had a barbecue and fed his friends and said goodbye to his old life and off he went. He was burning his ships. It sounds so much to me like what Jesus meant when he said in Luke nine sixty two, anyone who puts their hand to the plow but then looks back is not ready. You don't get it yet. You're not there. I need, what's Jesus looking for? Commitment. Like he demonstrated when he laid down his life for us. And that's why he says in Luke nine twenty three, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. And friends, when you give that kind of commitment, it's not out of guilt, it's not out of obligation. Here's what it is. When grace happens to you, generosity is going to flow through you. It just happens happens. There are people who are stingy and greedy and and they won't give a compliment. They won't give forgiveness. They won't give their time. Why? Because they feel like everyone owes them something. They haven't tasted grace. They haven't tasted the bitterness of sin in their mouth and then the beauty of forgiveness of Christ. They feel like God even owes them they haven't had grace, pick them up and brush them off and say there's a new place and start for you in life. If you don't grasp what God has done, you're going to feel entitled. But when when you do, when grace touches you, when it happens to you, when you recognize what Christ has done, then you realize his call for your all is very appropriate. And then your generosity will simply reveal the degree to which you've tasted that grace. Because when grace happens to you, generosity will flow through you. Because you can't help it. Grace leads to generosity every single time. Because you 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 can you can love, you, you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. It's just God so loved the whole world that he gave. It's just the way it works. And so we give because we've been graced. We give because we've been graced. Earlier this week, we said, hey, anybody who's ready and wants to go first to make a commitment and turn in your card, come on out. And we gathered at the Mountain Road campus and we just had an amazing time and it was so encouraging and so uplifting and so inspiring and it was a preview of exactly what's going to happen in each one of our campuses and online in just a few moments. And I thought you'd really be encouraged by it as well. So why don't you just watch the screen and enjoy. God has been doing good in me for so long. And I've come to the conclusion, he has been unstoppably good. Now it's time for me to spread his
0: unstoppable good. I've known God my entire life and Jesus has always been there, but I haven't always been willing to be there with him. I'm going all in, I'm for God, wherever he wants me, whatever he wants to do, I'm doing it. We're putting God at the center of everything we do, letting him lead us and guide us and not only our finances, but everything we do in life. Unstoppable good commitment means to us, sacrificing the things that are comfortable to us, uh, and knowing that the Lord's gonna provide. I, I could never ever do anything near what God has done for me in my life. Church is growing, has been growing for a long time, and we're looking to double. My commitment is going to be double what I've been giving in the past. We were so excited about the unstoppable good that we immediately went home and looked at our budget and we decided our financial commitment. And two months later, I was diagnosed with stage three triple negative breast cancer. Our, our spirit man kicked in and it said that we are God's child and, they, and he's gonna see us through. So that's what unstoppable good means to us is his commitment to us and our commitment to him that he'll see us through. For me, it's about surrender. I am for the first time single and doing it on my own and I'm gonna give my biggest gift even in this time. I feel like God's calling me to put it all on the table. I'm excited doing more especially with the youth. I could just see that there's a hunger that they have for Christ, and I just wanna be a part of that, pulling it out of them.
1: To be able to stretch myself with Christ, I wanna be able to be committed to Him and give to Him everything that I have. And in that commitment with Christ, I am going to be
0: baptized. I was in Kenya this summer and I realized that that money that I was gonna put aside for me to go over really needs just to go over to Kenya and help um, build the camp for the 10th graders. The unstoppable commitment means to me is to invite more people and spread God's word. We had
1: a number picked out on our card. We had to scratch it out and change it.
0: We're in it for good. Hi, my name is Nia, I'm a senior in high school, and unstoppable good commitment means giving my time and energy to the church because I believe in it and I believe in what they're
1: doing. I'm amazed to see not only what God's plan is, but to see how he can work it through someone like me. Being able to create a legacy for
0: Years to come for many other people that'll be walking through the doors. Unstoppable God, they got too many O's in there. Unstoppable good is a stretch for me, but I'm also hopeful because I know the Lord is going to help me to stick to this commitment, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the community, in my life, and also in the kingdom of God.
1: This is uh, now our time, our moment. Um, and it's the interaction with this card that I've been talking about. If you would take that card again in your hand, that, that kind of tool that we've been referring to, if you'll take that card in your hand for just a minute. You remember, our goal has been all along that there would be 100% participation. That's just my way of reminding us, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey with God or this church, I just it's not about what the Lord... Wants from you. It's what the Lord wants for you. And I just hope that you don't miss this opportunity to participate. And so I hope everyone, I know a lot of us are ready. We've been praying and. well, some of us are maybe just getting our heads around that for the first time. As you open the card, you see on the left-hand side, it just reminds us the primary goal is like everyone in, 100%. And The secondary goal is reminding us of all the awesome stuff that uh, God has given us to do, the mental health new work and the epicenter and the launching of new uh, churches and the preparing for launching new campuses and sports ministry and things in Kenya and digital impact and the whole list that we've been celebrating. And then over on the right-hand side is is a a, a sort of short worksheet for you to work through. And the down in the green in the middle where it says my or our total to Your commitment, that's the main number. You don't even have to do the whole worksheet if you want to, don't want to. But that, that number, the total, like everything you are going to give over the next two years from December of 22 to December to 24, that's the number we're trying to count and that's the number that really matters. I want to tell you, that Carla and I have been praying about, thinking about, anticipating this moment for a better part of a year now. Um, And it's not lost on us that you all um, have a right to look to us, uh, to be examples in the way we live and what we do and we have no business asking you to go someplace or do something that we're not willing to go or do. And uh, so, when I stand up here asking you to wrestle through this, I just want you to know, we've been wrestling, and we've been praying about that. And I'm with you uh, in this, and that I don't want to just lead this mission. I want to, I want to serve it. I want to, I want to give more than my time and my talent. I want to provide for it in every ways, and that we're being stretched and challenged to give a larger percentage than we have ever given to the Lord which means we're deferring some things that we would like to do. And we are cutting back on some things that we had thought we were going to do. But we're, I, I just want to say that it's so much easier than I thought it would be now that I'm where I am. Yes, it's a little scary, but there's joyfulness in it. Because, well, let me give a few reasons. One, it's because I love this church and what it does. I, I, I don't want to just be the pastor here. I, I am the product of Mountain. It's done so much for our kids and our family and for me growing up here in this place in the last 25 years. And, and also, and you might expect me to say this, but honestly, I want my dollars that God puts in my hands, I want them to count and I don't know of any better place to make an investment than in Mountain Christian Church. I just don't. I, I, I get to have a front row seat to the impact of what God is doing here and the life change. And I want to give in a way that helps homeless people and kids and gets people off drugs and leads people to Jesus. I want to help marriages and young adults and do something about mental health. I want to do something globally on the, for the poverty-stricken kids on the other side of the world in India and Myanmar and, and everywhere. I, I want to do all of that. And my gift to Mountain does all that. It's like the best mutual fund of ministry portfolio you'll ever find. And I also give with confidence and trust because there's two things that I am grateful for and I think we all are, is that God, by God's grace we have fruitfulness and faithfulness at Mountain. Mountain is thriving and doing so much and there's fruit to celebrate. I want to give to that and I'm proud of the faithfulness like the finances that people entrust to this church. They're not spent on lavish stuff or silly stuff or there's double controls on every dime that is spent. Everyone can know where the money goes, the ECFA seal of approval, the Evangelical Council of Financial is on everything we do because, for a reason, we know that we just want to be able to be faithful as well as fruitful. And so we've been listening hard and finding that it is hard, but it's also a joyful thing and I think of C.S. Lewis, who one time was asked, hey, what, what should we give? And he said, well, it's kind of hard to answer that question. Like, uh, there's no exact rule in the Bible that tells each individual what you should give. But he said, you ought to give till you're scared. Because when you're scared, that's when you know you're going to trust the Lord and depend on Him. And given a way that shows full surrender. And I just hope all of us, when we fill out that card and turn it into the Lord, will give in a way that's kind of, kind of scary. I just know this is unstoppable good thing that we're doing, is the biggest thing Mountain's ever done. And we want our gift, Carla and I do, to be the largest thing we've ever done. So I'm telling you all this, not to hype it up or exaggerate it or say, look at me, but. I want you to know we're making the biggest two-year commitment to anything we've ever done. Like 10% jump from where we were. And I tell you that because I want to call you to it. I want you to know I've got skin in the game. And I want to call you to the same kind of generosity and reflection on the grace that will issue in it. Our elder team is 100% in on this. Asked our staff to be 100% in on this. So the number you write on that card, I hope you'll be 100% in on this. And let it reflect your best. As we get ready to just reflect a little bit, I want to invite my friend Chris out here. Chris, Chris, are, are you nearby? Are you right here, Chris? Uh, this is We were the other night. We we're, we're talking through this stuff. And uh, a week ago, I guess, we were, we were saying, all right, let's all do our best. We were talking about surrender and sacrifice. And then you got a text from your wife in the middle of that. What was that about?
0: I did. Uh, my family was here at service with me. She was sitting right there. And I was backstage and she texted in the middle of your message and said, I think this is our number. And then followed it up with a second text that said, oh crap. Um, So I read the number and I also said, oh crap, actually. Uh, We've given for the length of our marriage and before we were raised in church to give and to give generously. Um, but something about seeing a number that big over the next two years uh, was scary. It was one of those moments where you, you realize just how real it becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, Mountain has been so meaningful to us in our lives, and we can't imagine um, giving to any place more mm-hmm. deserving or awesome than Mountain. And so uh, that's the number on the card. It's the number that's going in. Still scares me a little bit but that's how I know that it's the right number. Yeah,
1: thank you, Chris. Thank you for both of you guys. Appreciate that. So some of you are like, oh crap, because you know you need to change your number. Carla and I, not to be crass, but there is a definite that connected with my heart so much because that's where we are. We're in no crap territory and I couldn't be happier. And I hope you get there too. So here's what we're gonna do. We're going to reflect and just have a little moment of quiet. And we thought all along about what all this is about and the things it's going to accomplish and what God's going to do through us. But right now, I just want you to take that card. And if you haven't filled it out, this is the time to fill it out. So again, you can write down what you normally give. That's the first box. And the expanded generosity, what God's stretching and growing you to do, the new stuff, that's great. All the things that you normally do is already included in unstoppable good. It's part of it. It's part of it. But then your total two-year giving. That's the number we're looking at that we're going to add up and celebrate when this is over. So that's your number, that green square, the total giving for two years. And some of you are going to give for the first time. You've never given to God, to Mountain, to any of this. and you're I, I'm excited for you because you're going to experience something really wonderful in your life. You're going to feel a blessing come into your life and you're gonna have the joy of just knowing that you're doing something wholeheartedly for God, and I'm excited for you. Others others are choosing to give a kind of oh crap number for the first time. And you've never given in this way before, and it's a big step. Carla, are with you, Carla and I are with you on that one. For some of you, it'll be a widow's might, like it won't add be a big number on the card, but for you, man, it represents wholehearted surrender to God, and God sees that and honors it. It's not about the amount, it's about your heart. And for others, who knows, it might be a six or seven figure that you never thought was possible, but here you are, and you're stepping forward in faith. So whether you're online with that online version or the card in your hand, take a few moments. I'm just praying that every single person will not miss the moment. And take the biggest, boldest step you've ever taken with God. And he will honor that. So we'll have a moment of quiet and then uh, Jared will come. Let's pray. Just be quiet. Reflect. Fill out your card.